as ever, I can tell you that. Right. We're putting our hands on passes and balls. and Receivers, uh, they couldn't catch a cold if it was the middle of February. Well, well I don't get it. I get a day cold. It's no good! He missed it. it! He missed it! Drop it on my feet next time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 33 of the Soda City Sit Down. We are rolling this week. We've got plenty to talk about. We've got schedule breakdowns. We've got quick hits across the NFL, NHL, Major League, college football, and the NBA. Uh, so NBA is getting to playoffs. A bunch of stuff's going on. Uh, NHL's also, I guess, getting to playoffs. I can't really figure I out guess. exactly how that. I mean, I can't They've figure had, out how the their NHL playoffs, playoffs is going on longer than the NBA's is. But I can't tell if it's like, is it really the playoffs? Like they got like playoff games to get oh into the playoffs. It's round one. These games actually count though. Are these real games though? Are these real Are these real? Do these just, actually count? It was like so for Are they me, actually playing hockey? When the NHL made their uh like made their national how the schedule's gonna work, like it made sense. And then now that it's happening, there's just so much going on that I just can't wrap my head around how the NHL is doing their playoffs. I but think that's just, just me. I think you're just slow, maybe. I, I, I probably am a little bit. <laughs> uh, so, shout out to any of the new followers that are coming in this week. Any new followers, new listeners, we'd love to have you. We're excited that you are uh, giving us a chance. If you are still even listening to us after our train wreck of an opening, as it is almost every week. But we're glad you're here. If you like what you hear and you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, give us what you think it is. Uh, if it's bad, let us know. If it's good. Let us know. <laughs> we really prefer good reviews. Uh, we really prefer five-star reviews, but give it to us on it. We'll so, take what we can get. You know, I mean, if, if there's room to improve, then let us improve. We're going to be the best podcast out there that we can. Let, it, let us get all that in review so we know what we got to do. Uh, if you like us, tell your friends about it and, uh, and have them listen to it. Have them rate and review. Uh, and I'm talking about just Apple Podcasts, but we're also on Spotify. You can't really do as much rating and reviewing there, but you can subscribe and find out and, and get that notification when we put out a new episode every single week. So keep on listening. We really enjoy it. Uh, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the SC sit down on each of those accounts. And like I said, it's a big week, a lot to talk about. The SEC schedule, which we have been complaining about for the last couple of weeks and not knowing what it is, is finally out this week. So we oh, have finally we have a schedule to talk about. Finally, so we're going so to break it down um, in sections. Finally, <laughs> anyone else? Anyone the else? Rock has Finally, come home. Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you some? Ah, <laughs> uh, that one wasn't That's as fantastic. good as the last one. <laughs> yeah, your audio cut out a little bit there. So a little bit there. Funky. You, you uh, got. Let's put the tongue roll up there, Austin. Hello. I think Austin. I think Austin smelled his way to death. Like he just like he had too many of like the the la 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 la. la. He just had an aneurysm. He's not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, he <had> <laughs> you smell burnt toast, Austin. You might be having a stroke. <laughs> Actually, I left the oven on. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna break down the new SEC schedule in pieces, and we're gonna hit you with the Carolina full schedule. Here, what we think the wins and losses are going to be. I and mean, then we're going to break apart uh, the schedule and piece by piece uh, leading up to the start of the season. We're going to give you a couple weeks at a time, giving you what we think are going to be the marquee matchups, what we think is going to be the results in these games. And by the time it's all said and done, we're going to pretty much have 
a, uh, a wins and loss prediction for each of the teams. So we'll see how badly we do here at the end of the season. If we can complete a season, that'll be another question involved as well. So it's getting right into it. They announced this one a little early. So if you followed how the SEC was announced and everything, so they they announced on Sunday night that they were going to be putting out this schedule on Monday. And then they wanted to give a little teaser like three hours before all the other schedules came out. And we're like, here is the first week games. And that was all we got. And I don't know about y'all, but I was like, I was like drooling over it. I was like, give me the other nine games. Give me the other nine games. But we're playing Tennessee week one at Williams Bryce. What do y'all think about this one? It's weird. Uh, when's the last time we played Tennessee before like the last three to four weeks of the season? I know. Yeah. There's a lot of those in the schedule too. Well, what disappoints me the most is that Halloween's on a Saturday and we traditionally play. That's our bye game. Yeah, we got a bye week then. And it's a bye week, which I mean is good. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, I've got a kid. I got to go trick or treating. I can't sit inside and watch a football game all night. Well, I guess you're not going to be playing at noon anyway, so it's okay. Trick or treating is probably canceled. Yes, I'll say. (laughs) Arguably, I I think that bye week comes at a perfect time. If you look at like our stretch of games, I I do think our hardest games are kind of stretched out, but the toughest stretch we have is Auburn, LSU, A and M, and we get that we get that bye week right in between LSU and A and M. So, well, not that we have the bye week in week six of an eleven week season, a ten game eleven week season. So we got five games break bye week so you really can't ask for anything better than that yeah to, just to go for like this overall thing i just got one thing to say about the sec schedule release it made me so happy we got all these good sec football games for for a while only about two weeks ago i was really worried that my baby college football might not happen his baby he says but the sec has put its foot down and let me say the Big Ten, the Pac-12, they look so much worse than they did a few weeks ago. Maybe, maybe down the line, maybe they'll look good. But the fact that they weren't even giving it a chance, the SEC has proven itself to to look really strong right now. And and what's got what could be an incredible season. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like I I agree. I think it's gonna be a fun season. But like I know. It's it's not gonna mean much in like ten years. Like this is just gonna be like that asterisk season. So I'm just gonna enjoy it for what it is, basically. Like I don't know. I mean, we're not getting to play like out of conference games. Like you know, like we're not yeah. getting to play like a team like Clemson. But realistically, I mean, look at the gauntlet of some of these schedules. And we're getting kind of ahead of ourselves. But there's so many teams that face a gauntlet. Like the team that's gonna come out of this schedule like they're not going to be any worse than a team that went oh, to yeah. any other schedule and had to play some fcs citadel wofford south alabama type of school like these teams are not catching a break anyway i would almost argue that it's harder this year than any other year it's definitely hyper competitive for sure not to mention that a lot of these top tier teams with another two sec games for each of them you could be looking at an SEC championship that has two to three lost teams on it. Like that's, yeah. that's not far fetched. I don't think yeah, at all. It's very no. True. I mean, like I said, cause but you don't ever get that little break game where you can kind of, obviously if you don't focus like you do, you have a chance to lose to the city, which we know all about, but okay. But Vanderbilt isn't, you know, <laughs> Vanderbilt's not coastal Carolina. I agree to an extent, but at the same time, yeah. um, 
getting back onto our little track of things, Tennessee week one, probably a noon game because we're not going to get night games, especially when there's no fans in the stadium. But Tennessee week one. I can see this being a night game because it's going to be a close game probably. I was pretty even. I think this is a SEC on CBS primetime. I think the only other game that they could they could have on there is Kentucky and Auburn. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Yeah, you know, you're, you're really not wrong there. Uh, so that's that, true. It, it also is interesting that they gave the powerhouse schools all tune-up games for this. It, it's, surprise, surprise. Well, I mean, yeah, nothing yeah. was done on accident here. Yeah. But uh, but it's going to be it's going to be a fun game. Uh, Tennessee left a bad taste in our mouths last season. Uh, we went up there and got just smacked around. Uh, it was Muschamp's first career loss to Tennessee, so a lot to revenge here. It's crazy to think that that game was the same game that Edwards had the crazy touchdown and that we were leading at halftime. The same game that I it was tied at halftime. Are we were leading? Now, when Edwards scored that touchdown, I guess he was technically out on the half yard line or whatever. We took that twenty-one seventeen lead. And that was right before half, and then we just got blown out in the second half. But regardless, I think catching Tennessee early, just my analysis of it, at first I wasn't sure because I really, really wanted to get Georgia or LSU, honestly, game one, just because anytime you can have any sort of advantage against a team like that, any way that can sort of narrow the playing field, with those teams having new quarterbacks and a lot to replace, I, I thought that maybe we could catch them napping. Obviously, with LSU Week 5 and Georgia, our ninth game Week 10, uh, I I don't know if this is a great matchup for that perspective, but then if you remember what Tennessee is, has looked like the last few years, they've been notoriously bad at opening uh, the season under Pruitt with the <laughs> Georgia State and the BYU losses last year before finishing <laughs> right, pretty strong. right. So yeah, if we caught if we caught Tennessee in the first two or three games last year, we we'd have a completely different record. I mean, it, yeah, it, but it I, I don't know if you can really fault them for that because they were going through a transition phase then. Yeah, and it's hard it's hard to tell how much of that was like just 2018 to 2019, and if 2019 to 2020 will be the same. It, it's it's hard right. to say, but the the line for that game opening up at anywhere between Pickham and just a one point. Tennessee favorite is what I'm seeing, but should be a really fun game. Just, I think I it's guess, really surprising because I think Tennessee is going to be really good. I think they could be good. But I think there's so many question marks for Carolina, too, that can keep that line right there because, you know, that game was competitive to an extent last year, at least in the first half. Is, is that wide receiver from Tennessee that went off on us last year? Is he still there? No, he's gone. Juwan Jennings? He was, he swear he was there for like eight years. I know, right? And like Garantano just had like a career game. Like he just absolutely just completed every pass that he threw, mainly to Jennings. So Tennessee does have their senior quarterback with him, but to be fair, he's not that good. He played pretty well against us last year, but Garantano is not the quarterback that you were looking at early on. And it was like, I really don't want to play him early. Like I want to make sure we're figured out before we play a good quarterback. Yeah. But then again, the SEC. I don't know if the SEC's got a ton of experienced, proven, older quarterbacks. I mean, Kyle Trask in Florida, who's the next game we play, I I think is probably the furthest along there. But he's still only played, what, one full season as the starter for Florida? Yeah, if you consider it. So it'll be interesting. What do we think for predictions for this game? I think Carolina sneaks one out. I I do too. I think that... I like us being at home. 
I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into home and away games this season. I mean, you're, cause we just don't know what that's going to look like. I, I think that maybe some travel jet lag, if you wouldn't even call it that could come into effect. I think that like this year's games are going to be more of like a neutral aspect than anything else. I'm not like, I'm yeah. not afraid of road games this year. You know, we go into the swamp and we go into death Valley, but those are going to be like a, a kindergarten version of, of these two stadiums. I mean, you're not going to get a full-fledged swamp in Death Valley. And I mean, I'm not worried about going to Nashville. I'm not worried about going to Oxford. I'm not worried about going to Lexington, Kentucky. When you're playing in front of 15,000 people. Yeah, and like there's, there's still the aspect of, of like traveling that does take a toll. But when yeah. you consider the home field advantages you get in a normal SEC Saturday, we're not going to have that, especially even yeah. if there's what 20,000 fans it'll be interesting to see uh, it's kind of been rumored at this point to see what the I guess the game ops crew are going to be doing with crowd noise I I would put us at at a huge advantage there compared to other teams just because of the social media department that we have I don't think it'll actually play that much of an effect but like if you're talking about team that can give you the biggest fake home field advantage I, I guess I would put us up there just because of what we have been able to produce that's yeah, that's, that's kind of nitpicky honestly i don't think it that's an interesting thing to think about though that whole aspect of it because i know they're gonna pump in crowd noise but it all depends on kind of the the way the team wants to do that like you said with south carolina putting their media team in the forefront there will probably do some great stuff i think auburn still has one of the biggest jumbotrons in the country so i could imagine that being a pretty big effect to it but luckily we don't play them thank god at the Jordan Hare. So. I don't think a jumbotron is going to do anything. But also looking back you at can. the uh, at the Tennessee game, uh, we're talking talking about last year's game. We were coming right off of that Florida game, going into Neyland Stadium. And Neyland Stadium is never an easy place to play. It's a dump, but it's not an easy place to play. No matter how good or bad Tennessee is, and coming off of a game that we just absolutely had our hearts ripped out of our chest. I'm not giving excuses, of course, but I mean, I really think that last year's game against Tennessee was kind of a, an outlier. I don't think that Tennessee has made that big of a jump ahead of us quite yet. I'm not saying that it, it, they couldn't do that in the next couple of seasons. I just feel like, you know, I think I like what our guys have. We have a lot of guys that are, are ready to prove themselves. A lot of guys that, you know, number one, want to want to get back at Tennessee from last year's game and also want to get a season off to a better start than they did in 2019. So I think there's going to be a lot of motivation going into that first game of the season. So what do we got here? We got, yeah, about to ask. we got three three or four dub votes. I know Clayton said L. For, I got, I got for Tennessee? Yeah. I could say L. You heard it here first. So that's three votes win. Austin, Tyler? Yeah. It's it. It's a, it's a, it's a win. I think it's Tennessee's win. just really talented in coming off momentum at the end of last year. Yeah, but, Carolina's really it'll, I think it'll be close. Yeah. I don't know if momentum carries over from us. Clayton's a hater. I'm here to stop the sunshine pumping and make you all, all – right. Tennessee schedule here last year, all this momentum they talk about. They barely beat every single team they played at the end stretch. And I the mean, but we're all, played, we also went four and eight. But anyways, let's move on to like we've already spent enough time. Right, with so you're just going to cut me off when I'm I'm proving you wrong, Clayton. I'm sunshine pumping this. All right, Tennessee could barely take Missouri, Vandy, Indiana. Now nah, we're, we're taking a dub. Dub City. All right, next wrong. week we head. Down to the swamp, and another game that left a bad taste in our mouth from last season, Florida. There was eight games that left a bad taste in our mouth. I was about so to say. Okay, but this um, one hurt more than I most think, of the I others. think this is a loss. 
definitely. Is this is kind of what kind of what Matt said. This is definitely the most experienced quarterback we'll probably play. Grass, you know, looked really good last year, honestly. Yep. And he's only going to get better with more experience. Uh, we're going into the swamp. I don't know what Florida looks like recruiting wise, like who they really lost and gained, but it's Florida and they recruit well. So, yeah, it's not looking good. I think Florida returns a lot, a lot more than some of the SEC East teams will play. Uh, I, I think they they kind of figured it out, especially toward the end of last year. So I, I also have this pinned as what I think would be a loss. Although if we manage to win game one, I think you could you could have a, a decent amount of buzz going into the game. Not to mention that the last two years we played Florida, we've been underdogs in both games. And both games, we looked like the better team for the majority of the game before absolutely blowing it in the fourth quarter, in particular in 2018. When we, I mean, that game. Yeah, 20, 2019 was on the refs. I mean, when you yeah, just we can't did fall get apart that game. We that, did, that but when true. but when the refs give Florida fourteen points, I mean it's that much harder for sure. It makes it so much harder, and then it's not just harder, but it's deflating as well. Like when you look up at that video board, you know everybody on that team looked up at the video board and, and saw McQuaman getting held seventy five yards down the field. I mean, it, it's not gonna, it's not helping your case when you got to when you feel like you got to play against the refs. So. Um, I'm going to sunshine pump Clayton. You can, you can do whatever you want about it. I I'm ta- I'm saying a two, no start. I, I really okay. just, I I'm, I'm sunshine pumping. I'm going to be raw, but I, I just feel like these are, are you two the teams 10 and 0 sunshine pumper. Yeah, dude, we're winning every single game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There we go. If the truth comes out. There goes our credibility. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> no, no. Won, no worries, but, but just not- make sure we don't get swept. I uh, I really do think my vote's not going to swing it, so I'm just going to say that I think I can see an upset pick here. Like like Matt pointed out, we've been right there the last two years, and I think that these guys know it. I I don't think that there's as big as a talent differential on the field as like a lot of people seem to think. When they get there in the trenches, like we just seem to to get it going, and I, I just have a good feeling about it. Like it's gonna it's gonna come together eventually. I will say, if this was a team like Auburn or LSU or Georgia, who again are having you know changes all around the program, I could see this as like a squeaky win week two. So pretty early, teams figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Florida is just like I said, Trask is coming back. They've got a lot of starters coming back. They pretty much know what they are. I think that'll happen with other teams that we play this year, but I'm not sure about Florida. I think Florida's going to be really good and probably challenge Georgia to win the East. So I think it's an L. That Florida-Georgia game is going to be a real exciting one. All right, week three. We get the East. This is a win. I just want to say a win. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's not much to talk about with Vandy. I mean, I can't believe Derek Mason is still the coach for them. This (laughs) This is not the Vanderbilt team that... That, Did you not see that interview of him saying he was the the coach for Vanderbilt? I mean, he's he seems to have a lot of confidence for a guy who's I okay. Just a quick side note: Do you guys think that Vandy will win more than zero games this year? Because I personally think they I, I give them the eighty five. Really, I think there's worse teams on this list. They don't play. I mean, you play the game for a reason. It could beat Missouri. You have a long season, Good. and you uh, have teams that. Oof, probably not. But you, but but you have the risk to have teams that are going to be depleted by injury and also by COVID as well. You know, yeah. so maybe I mean, when we do our full SEC breakdown, we might. Right. I might have changed my mind. I might see a game where I think you know everything comes into place and they get a win. But my my initial reaction is no Arkansas, 
that was really the only team I thought they could play with. So I don't know. But regardless for the Gamecocks, should be an easy road dub. But, you know, anything is possible in the SEC, but this is the one I've, I feel most, most confident. Anything is possible in 2020. Absolutely. All right. For the first time in six years, Auburn. Auburn, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for this game, regardless of my prospects of us winning or not. I think this is going to be a repeat of 2014 in terms of this being a shootout. Auburn has a really deflated defense. They lost a lot of guys to the draft, a lot of guys that were seniors on that line, one of their better uh, guys on the secondary. South Carolina has a pretty solid... Their, their defense is getting better, but there's still some holes there. So I could see this really being a high scoring game. I will go against that just because the structure of South Carolina's team from 2014 is the exact opposite as it was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Our That's defense, true, yeah. I feel like, is proven. And I felt like our 2014 offense was very much proven. And I think the opposite exists on the other side of the ball. I think our defense in 2014. Yeah absolutely the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And <laughs> I think our maybe I, I would say our offense for 2020 should be better than our defense from 2014, but that's not saying much. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd project this honestly to be a low score. Yeah. And also that, that last Auburn game. And when we went out to Jordan here. Yep. Yeah. So when, so, I mean, I think that was just, that was also one of the best offensive minds in college football history throwing the absolute kitchen sink at the other team because I mean, he knew that he had the offense that could outscore him. He just didn't have a defense that could stop him. So it, that's it, also it, fair. So, yeah. and, and you're not going to get that out of much champ. And I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to get that out of uh, uh, Mike Bobo either, but it, it would be great. I mean, a, a shootout is fun, but I just don't see it happening. Um, and I, just don't see Carolina, I don't see Carolina winning that game either. I hate the Florida game. I think that's an upset opportunity, but Carolina can't have everything. We can't have nice things. We we can beat Georgia, but then we can't beat App State. So, I mean, this is just one of those laws of physics for Carolina football. I, I see this one being a just down-to-the-wire game because it seems like South Carolina and Auburn always play good games, but we – outside of the SEC championship. But, you know, that that was a different level, Cam Newton. I, I see this being close, but I, I, I can't I can't say that. I think we're going to win this one. I, I'll probably go with a loss for this one for now. Yeah, I think it might be one of our best and most competitive games of the season. Just not. I think a big part of it, too, is going to be the um, Auburn schedule beforehand. I think Kentucky is going to be a decent game, but Georgia, that's going to be a tough one for them. And yeah, they have Arkansas week three, so they'll be able to recover a little bit. But they'll they'll be coming off, I think, two really tough week one, one and two games. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if Auburn is the same team from week one as they will be when they reach South Carolina, if they've, you yeah. know, and they've got a decent schedule after that, but I don't know. It, there's a lot, there's a lot at play here. So I, I, mean, I agree really, with you guys. Though. If you look at, if you look at both team schedules, they're almost identical. It usually is that way. I always find that really interesting. They're kind of like the South Carolina of the West. A lot of times, except you have a lot more success. I mean, I see the schedule. Yeah. I don't want to get too <laughs> but, far ahead. Have you seen the slate for that week? By the way, like I know we'll get to that at a different time. Oh yeah, that that is nuts. Holy well, moly. Well, let's like keep moving along so that we can get to the rest of the schedule. So it seems like we pretty much agree that it's an L. Uh yeah. 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 So week 5 at LSU at Death Valley, which like I said I don't put much stock into that. Yeah, it's probably going to be an L. I so um, I can't remember who said it, but they were talking about Florida being a game that we might squeak by. I think it was Austin. I 
I say this might be the game we squeak by. This it, it, this is probably like if we like if we repeat a Georgia from last year type right. of game, this would probably be like the spot to do it. And that's just really because we don't know what LSU is going to look like at all. Can we please do it? Because it would make me so happy to talk shit to all these LSU fans down here. <laughs> Clayton, you might die if you did that. These guys are crazy. Nah, I'll be at work. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, because people have never been killed in the workplace. <laughs> LSU is just such a hard game to project just because we have no idea what LSU is going to look like this season. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they're, they're coming off of last season, which arguably one of the greatest college football runs seasons you'll ever see but they have almost nothing from that back now they recruit really yeah, they well and you know they're they're still a very good program and i expect them to be at the very least a top 25 team that being said i said it when we did our initial schedule preview and i have to double down right now we're gonna win this game i don't know why i think this is our this is our this is our Georgia from Ooh. last year, like you were saying. Yeah, I think I think this is the one we the one we pull out. I think out of Auburn, LSU, and Texas A and M, this is probably going to be the easiest of those three games for sure. Really, I, I would don't know say if I so. put A and M in that category, and mm-hmm. I don't know. We have no idea how. Like LSU doesn't know us. We don't know LSU. We haven't played them. It 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 really depends on how they look early. I think we'll have a lot more confidence or lack of lack thereof. Once we get to this game week, I'm just going with it. It's a gut feeling. I don't really have a reason. It's it's hard to look at LSU and really make any projections for them. But what what's everyone else saying on this one? So just a quick question: the lot when we played LSU last, uh, with the year of the flood, Les Miles was still there, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Okay. So. I so I just want to confirm that. Yeah. So it's going to be a completely different scheme and everything than you know that we saw the last time. I don't think there's anyone even on that team that would. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know. It just it not, six years ago. Where we're at right now, I just have no concept of time. Like during this pandemic, like was it was it two years ago? Was it eight years ago? Was I even alive the last time we played LSU? I have no idea. Is this but, uh, also the third straight away game that we played LSU? Because there was the flood year and right. twelve we lost. Well, the flood year was supposed to be a home game. So, yeah. So yes. Yeah, but how? What kind of BS is that? You know, no, no, Matt. I well, believe our home game counted straight. as a home game, even though straight. it was away. Because I couldn't remember the last time we played LSU before 2012. When's the last time we played them at home? It's that damn NCAA. I have to look we we went out there before for a game at Death Valley, and that was like that was another one of this those close matter. games, and and Les Miles did a whole bunch of trickery and won that game. But anyway, so we make our predictions. Uh, my heart says yes, but my brain says no. So I think it's an L. <laughs> I, I gave it a win. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to be yes so badly, but uh... what do you mean? You were gonna go ten and zero? Oh, I mean, okay, true. <laughs> Austin, Austin, what, what's your vote here? I uh, honestly, I wanna I wanna kind of get side with Matt here. For some reason, something in me tells me like this is just gonna happen. Like this is our Georgia. This is yeah. our. Our game. This is we just so as a up. podcast, we think we're going three and two. Yeah, yep. I think we're going one and four, <laughs> and we're gonna lose week six as well. It's a it's a bye week in week six. Shut up. Yeah, we're we'll... <laughs> weeks ass. That's a good start at a, at the bye week coming up. That is a honestly a great. If we're three and two, I'll be amazed. I'll be so happy. I think I'll... I think it's very possible you three and two. I think it's, it's possible, possible, sure. But, <laughs> but yeah. 
I think but it's possible we're five and zero, oh, but how likely is that? Pretty low. Just a quick, I guess, recap so of the, I just of the big three. Who would we rather beat, Florida, Auburn, or LSU? Florida, LSU, Florida, Florida, LSU. absolutely. LSU, stand they're the defending national champion. No, I can't. Yeah, stand but Florida, Florida is an easy rival, rival, and they're they're more they're going to be the, the highest rank out of all of them. Yeah, wrong at the LSU. swamp too. Come on, so you wrong. Be You're so wrong. Definitely. You want to no, be? LSU's team, not yeah. even going to be the same team, Tyler. Florida, Florida's going to be ranked in the top ten. Yeah, it's still so defending. So week seven, Texas A and M. We got to beat them sometime. We got to beat them sometime. Why not this year? Uh, because we will never beat Texas A&M ever. I have yeah. so little hope in us beating it. Like I, I'm more, I'm more likely to pick us to beat pretty much any other team. On I don't schedule. understand how they I always just, beat us. I just don't <laughs> think we're ever going to beat we're Texas cursed. Yeah, same with Auburn. They always lose to Texas A&M. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah but we're going to beat them. I'm giving it a dub. It's Dub <laughs> City. Something I want to bring up real quick, coming off that bye week, and granted, we have no idea how it's going to turn out. I wonder, based on how our offense looks, if that would be a good change of like quarterback type of um, week there. Uh, assuming whoever our starter is at that point is not doing well, or we don't win those games we said we were going to win. Let's say we're two and three, one and four. Austin, that might be a good slot. Me for a loop. I don't think that I don't think we make a big change if we're two and three. I think one and four, then we could. If we come in and, and lose to Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, and LSU, then whoever's in charge, we might see a little switcheroo. But I don't think two and three, unless we're only like scoring like 10 points a game, I don't think that's going to cause a change. I think if we're competitive in those in most of those games, I think that keeps things kind of going the same way. It it would be interesting. I think I think we had to be one and four to see a change. I can agree with that. I think it would be a very uncompetitive one and four. I agree. Which I guess would be uncompetitive if you're one and four, but you know what I mean. No, you can be competitive in one and four. <laughs> as long as we're scoring points, like Tyler said. I mean, if, if we're losing like 31 to 28 or something like that, and like we're actually scoring, and you know, probably not. But if we're only averaging, you know, nine points a game, yeah, possibly. Yeah. So uh, I got an L here. Same. It's L. a L. It's a w. Yeah. It's a, it's a win, boys. L. It's a win. <laughs> So three and three. quarterback two. Mon's coming back, and he's got experience. Yep. In that so, he's overrated. But don't get me wrong. I don't think A&M is that good. I think A and M's pretty overrated right now. I just don't think we can play them. Don't. Yeah. It, We've got to beat A and M for me to be proven that we can beat them. So yeah, that's that's how I feel. I don't think I'm ever going to pick us to beat them until we do. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and it's just been like such agonizing losses too. I mean, save for last year and like the first year we played them. I feel like we've had like a shot in almost every single game. What do you mean the first year? The first year was the agonizing 2014 where we just well, got you, okay, shit well, on. Okay, okay. Uh, you mean, can't like, tell agonizing. me that was the most agonizing loss I've ever. I been mean, to. like, I, so for me, like agonizing is like, I mean, it's like if you just get absolutely dumped on, it's like, like you know, like that game is over before you get. Like, Anyways, to the fourth we're, I mean, like, we're getting off topic again. No, we're not though. Like, we're, I'm just saying, like these games have been like so close. Like we have been right there. And I mean, especially like two of the last takeaway last year, like the two or three years before that, like we had a chance. To, we had a chance to beat them in college station with Perry Orth. Like it's going to happen eventually. It's got to happen. It's happening this year. So Ole Miss. It's a win. I'm honestly less worried about Ole Miss than I am about Vanderbilt. Really? I'm not worried about Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I agree. I'm not worried about Lane Kiffin. 
Fun stat. I mean, the ESPN is going to get Ole Miss as a favorite against us. Really? Listen, we went to Ole Miss like two years ago, and we that. smacked them around like last week's bad lunch. I mean, it's just – we are going to go Tyler, in there. You're forgetting something. What am I forgetting? Brian Edwards? The lane train's coming to town. <laughs> lane train? Oh, my God. Listen, was... I'm not worried about the lane train. I'm not worried about the lane train. What this, is crash, one, it's crashing in the Grove on November 14th. Lane Kiffin ain't taking us out. Not this week. Not at all. Not at all. I think that Lane Kiffin run team will have like three-fourths of the team out on like coronavirus. He just is not going to have anything. Boom. Mark it as a win. We're, we're winning at Ole Miss. We're winning in Oxford. Why Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin, who has not proven to be a good head coach anywhere he's been, beyond me. What do you and, mean? Uh, he's been good at FAU? He was fine at FAU. Hey, it's okay. I, it's I FAU. Know. What? I, no, that, that, was, that was why I brought it up boy. as a joke. If South Carolina got rid of Muschamp, would you want to look at the American Conference and look in the middle of the standings and be like, ooh, let's get that guy. Oh, he also failed at other SEC schools? Yes, double down. Let's go for him. I mean, we're talking about... He a, failed at SEC school. Coach that he was perfectly an fine SEC as a school, coordinator. You mean like Will Muschamp? I mean, <laughs> he was perfectly fine at, as a coordinator, but... Anyway, uh, just, yeah. Again, I, off topic. I, I actually think we'll win this game, but uh, I think that Ole Miss is not as bad as you think. I don't think they're that bad. I think they do have yeah. players. I think Arkansas uh, will be better than them this year, though. That, that's honestly, I I could see that. I could yep. definitely see that between Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. Like they're clearly the all... here. There's honestly going to be some like decent looking games there. Yeah. But, I guess we'll we'll see as it as it goes along. So we're unified on a on a W here. Yeah, yeah. It's a W. Book it. And then we got Missouri at home and the eighth W season. I, it's tough because last year we, it was pretty yeah. fluky game and it was on the road. Like, Helinski definitely looked like absolutely like a freshman that game. Yeah, last last year was Helinski's freshman game. If you if you take Helinski out of that game, like his two mistakes, it's a, it's a t- I mean it's an even at ball game. Who's their quarterback this year? Um, no idea. I, I think okay. I, is it still the Clemson one? No, there's no. they're, they're going to have a new quarterback. So getting them early probably would have been nice, but it doesn't look like it's happening. I think that we're a better program than Missouri. I do too. And I just I just think that last year was like okay. There was a lot of questions about Helensky's health. And then he just had some stupid freshman mistakes. And I think that by this time in the season, we should be comfortable with what Bobo's bringing in. We should have a set quarterback, a set system, all this kind of stuff. I mean, this is this is week eight. It's at home, which we don't have to travel up to, to the other Columbia at the very least. I think that is cash money right here is the win. Yeah, I... Uh, there. This is the one game of the ones that I think we will be favored in that I'm probably worried about most, just because of the things working against us. They have a a new quarterback, and we're playing them late in the season. They have a new head coach. We're playing them late in the season, so they have some time to figure some Their things head coach out. Coach just beat us the year before. That's that was the second thing I was going to say. Is I think Eli Drinkwitz is a a pretty good head coach, and the way that he outplayed us last year with. So severely less talent 
on his team worries me a little bit about this game. I still think it's going to be a W, but just the way South Carolina and Missouri have played over the last few years, so back and forth, it worries me. But I'm still saying a W because I just don't think we're going to lose this game. Matthew hit my points uh, right on, and I think we're going to lose. <laughs> pretty much Everything you said was right, but no. Um, no, I think his thoughts, his concerns, that's why I think we're going to lose. I mean, yeah, that's I, I think that Missouri's has us circled on the calendar because the rest of their schedule is so shit. They're like, all right, South Carolina, that's who we're going to beat. And they just won't. They won't. I give it a win. Overruled. It's OK. Have- I'm here to keep us all in check. I, I do. I do uh, worry about that game, though, especially with. I mean, I worry about every single game, Georgia. but I mean, I just I, I just think that it's like I just have this feeling that. Like, and it's so crazy that, like, I think the majority of the fan base's hatred for Missouri comes from, like, a women's basketball rivalry. And I think everything that went down, like, a couple years ago with that, like, every time Missouri comes up in any sport, I just feel like the whole fan base just wants it. Like, they want to be Kentucky. And I think that the players sense that. And it's, like, it, it is, it's become a rivalry. And, you know, it was started out as, like, this, like, hyped up Columbia versus Columbia, the Mayor's Cup. So dumb. So, but but some of the games that have happened across all the sports, I mean, even in football, I mean, we took them out the first two years pretty easily, or first year, and then, you know, they got really good, and they had the game where they came back, and they beat us in that 2014 season where we could, could not hold, like, a two-score lead in the fourth quarter, and then the very next year, we went back out to Columbia, Missouri, and Shaw had the 17-point comeback, and then we came to Columbia, and we blew the lead. And then we had the rain game, which is one of the absolute most incredible games I've ever been to in my entire life. And I mean, there's just been a lot of stuff that has happened in football, let alone, um, you know, other sports as well. I think that there's a lot going on that I, I just think, I think we have a lot to play for and we're going to win. Uh, uh, Austin's having a little bit of technical difficulties, but he said W as well. So win for Missouri. Now the big one, Georgia. <laughs> this is going to be so ugly. It's going to be a bad loss. It's going to be yeah. bad. Oh, Austin. Hey. <laughs> back from uh, the dead. I got back just in time to listen to us lose to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a loss. Talking uh, about teams. What do you mean? This have... is a W. Nah, it's a loss. They had such a soft schedule before they got to us, too. Like, I do love that we play them in in the weekend. That would be the Clemson game. Because I, I, for me, I feel like Georgia's the second least liked team. For sure. And I feel like it's our, our second biggest rival. So I, I do really want to see us put up a fight in this game. And depending on Georgia's quarterback situation, I would have loved to play them early. But the fact that we at least have them in like the rivalry week, because the Iron Bowl is this week, the Egg Bowl is this week. I consider Georgia a rival. I don't know. How, maybe yeah. usually beat us that maybe they don't. But I, I feel like it's a pretty decent rival. The hatred uh, is there for a rivalry. I would agree. Oh, when, I, when I saw that, I really did like how they did that. I thought that was really good. And then they try to also hype up like a, a Florida versus Kentucky rivalry. And there's been some good games in the last couple of years in that series as well. They threw that in this week. Again, we'll get to that different point. I really like the teams that did lose their, their cross-division rivalry. They kind of gave them a little bit of a rivalry game to play for, um, which I think is really cool. Yeah. But it's going to be an ugly, atrocious, terrible loss. They're going to come in and they're going to stomp us into the mud and then dig a hole deeper and stomp us into that one. I mean, it's just going to be awful. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this game. Obviously, 
you got to look at trends for the South Carolina team over the last few years. We've gone into the last game or two over the last few years so beat up and so out of everything that it's hard to say until proven otherwise. No, I will say with, with the new strength and conditioning coach, again, we had to get proven otherwise, but I'm, I'm more optimistic about that this year. But I don't think it mattered where this game fell. I don't think it mattered if it was week one, week 11, in the middle somewhere. Like, I just think that Georgia, it, after last year's game, Pissed. I think we just played out of our minds that game. And Georgia didn't play as well as they could have. And they're just going to they're just gonna beat us down. Like, it's just going to be ugly. Yeah. And it, and it might be a point that we potentially reevaluate come that time. But it is, it is so far away. Georgia – We'll probably have their quarterback issues figured out at that point. Uh, and I, I, I do definitely see Georgia at this point taking us pretty handily. So I think we're all pretty much in unison on that one. So do we think week 10 with Kentucky is going to be as tough? I think it's going to be a tough one for sure. Ending the season on this game is going to be rough. I just This I've, is going to be a, a one that like, I'm just going to be nervous about. And Yeah. At least we ended the streak, though. That's good. We yeah. ended the streak. so that, that's I think Kentucky has an unearned amount of praise this offseason. I think that the only reason they were able to be decent last year is because they had a decent defense, but also they had Lynn Bowden, who's an insane athlete, playing quarterback, which, by the way, is just – I still just can't believe he was the quarterback for that team for the whole season, <laughs> practically. And, you know, they get their senior quarterback back, who's uh, Terry, Terry Wilson – and so, like, he's, he's a decent quarterback. He, he, I can't remember what he got injured with last year, but it was early on. ACL, before, I think. Before we even played against them because they didn't know what they were doing at quarterback when we played them. But we handled them last year, and I, I would like to think that we could take them again this year. I, I'm, I have to be, have to be proven. I think there has to be proof out there that Kentucky is worthy of going, like some people are talking about them going, like, seven and three, six and four. And I just don't see it right now. I think this is going to be a game that we win just because I can't fathom losing to Kentucky. I've, it, it's honestly just the losses to Kentucky over the years have been some of the most angering losses. Embarrassing losses. The fact that it's potentially our last game of the season, just I feel like we're going we're gonna to go into that with nothing to lose. And I, I think we, we edge out a, a victory, but I do think it's kind of one of those toss-up games. So Matt, you're you've been tracking down what our predictions are up to this point, right? Going, yes. what, what what you know the majority consensus. What is our record based on our predictions? Based on our predictions, we've got a win against Tennessee, a loss to Florida, a win over Vandy, a loss to Auburn, a win over LSU, a loss <laughs> to A and M, a win over Ole Miss, a win over Missouri, a loss to Georgia. What's our consensus on this Kentucky game? Win. I say it's a loss. I say it's a win. I say W. God, I really don't know. I, I it's like it's like Kentucky. I'm just like win, win, win. But just how it's been the last couple of years, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I truly do think that one's kind of a 50-50. I could see it going either way. But we're for the for this purposes, we're we're gonna go with a win, and that would put us at six and four. Which I think that's seven three is probably our ceiling. I think six and four would be yeah. a very very good season for us. Bowl game eligible. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they'll do bowl games <laughs> at this point. I know, but I know. you know, bowl eligible, we'll take that. Yeah, any, yeah. anybody we can get. And six and four—that's enough to keep Muschamp. 
Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. yes. Oh, I, I, I think, think we're gonna go three and nine, and I think we'll keep him. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think we're gonna uh, just based on, and it's not just like a wins and loss thing that's gonna make us keep much champ. I mean, it's just we just can't afford to fire him at this point. Not to mention, I, I guess this is kind of going away from our schedule breakdown, but the 2022 recruiting class today, there's a big, big rumbling that Gunnar Stockton is close to committing to South Carolina, which would probably be just about our highest ranked quarterback commit ever. I, I don't have the highest one ever. Yeah, I can't hundred percent confirm that, but it, it certainly seems like it a five-star quarterback. I can't well, he, South Dodie is the highest and Dodie's was like a 95 and Stockton's a 98 point something. So, so definitely someone that we only get with Muschamp and Bobo, I think just because of his prior relationship there, not to mention Bobo's son. Also a five-star in the offensive tackle. So a lot of potential in that 2022 class. I think 2021 will shape up to be probably about a top 25-ish class. Nothing super special. I think if we're three and seven, then I think it could go either way. But I think a point I've heard that makes the most sense is that in this time where where in this pandemic, recruiting is kind of difficult. You want to have an established system. Bringing in a new head coach, first of all, will be hard to get a good head coach. But second of all, to get their their feet on the ground and, and going is going to be way more difficult than it would be any other year. So I guess I, I'm in favor of, unless we're two and eight, I think he probably sticks around. Unless we're one and nine or worse, I think we keep him. Oh. Clayton, you're depressing me tonight. You know, I just am very negative about football right now. Yeah. Well, you don't need to be negative because there's some positives to come from. Uh, training camp has started for the NFL, so it's looking good over there on their end. They are in pads. They're uh, they're out there uh, following proper protocol. Like I said, they're testing every day. I don't know the numbers right now. I don't know how many new cases they've had, if any. I do know they're testing every day. Uh, so training camp has started. Some minor injuries already, but uh, on all this good news, Alex Smith, who had that horrific injury two years ago, he has been cleared to play. So I think that's incredible that he's actually like allowed to go back on a football field and, and practice and play. It's that's crazy, crazy that he wants to go yeah, back. That amazes that's me. That's really it great news. Me. Oh, it's great news. It just like surprises me because like I'd yeah. be so terrified. I'd be done. Out there. I'd retire. <laughs> I don't think he should go play, but yeah. it's good that he can. <laughs> It would yeah, just true. be great, like, even if he just, like, came out, took a snap, and, like, put, like, a little and, jump pass. And then just like handed that. it off, like. Yeah, I'd be I, like. I, I think, then, then, then just don't play. And just, I'd be, like, fist pump in my living room. I'd be like, let's go, boys. And, unfortunately, he's playing for the Washington football team, which kind of sucks. Just for his own health and safety, I hope he doesn't play for them, just because I assume they'll be horrible and. Probably Are get him still- injured in five minutes. Is FedEx Field still the same kind of problems that they had with RG3? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 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 absolutely trash. Oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, stay away. Is- Play away games, please. It was one patch of dirt from just ending his life. I mean, it's done. Yeah. yeah. Ad- additionally, the NFL has announced that the Texans versus Chiefs game, which is still the opener, and that's still scheduled to go, they will be playing at 22% capacity, which is about... 15,000 people for their stadium. So that's still a pretty good amount. They're playing with fans? That's yes, interesting. They will Holy play with fans. Dude. Game opener will have 20, or excuse me, 15,000 fans. <sighs> that's such a bad idea. <laughs> oh my God. Probably. There are, there are some teams like the Packers, like the iconic ones. Like Lambeau Field will not have fans for the first two weeks. 
and uh, Gillette Stadium Smart. has also announced they will not have fans for the first two weeks. Um, but the op- the home opener will have, the, I guess the season opener will have fans in attendance. That's, That's interesting. That they, they're really doing that now. Is that just they've approved up to twenty two percent, or you know, or is it like? A done deal, like we're gonna put twenty two percent. That's kind of the done deal. It was, it's been approved, and that's what the plan is for Arrowhead is to accommodate. You know, cool because you gotta think too. They were doing the the banner release for the Super Bowl championship. Like it's a big moment for the franchise. I mean, yeah, but like the Nationals True. just did it without a single fan in the stands. What the I mean, everyone's gonna watch it on TV. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, I can. There's so many things that can come from it because it's like i get what you're saying with that with the nationals but you know all it's going to take is one person to get it and then you know that could really damper things for the nfl god forbid if someone gets covid or you know passes it around so um but i just thought that was interesting to note in other football news uh college football has some spicy rumors and things going on right now the big ten has rumored that really the six only important teams from the Big Ten are rumored to be in talks to make their own Big Ten. So it's like Big Ohio six. State, Penn State, Wisconsin, <laughs> uh, Michigan. Well, who am I missing? Like Nebraska and like Iowa or something? I, I probably got that wrong. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa State maybe. You're saying there's no Rutgers? Yeah, they're leaving out the powerhouses. <laughs> you like Illinois and Rutgers. and Rutgers got too many COVID cases. Is that what they, what, are they, what even are they? Oh, they're the Scarlet Knights. Never mind. <laughs> but that would be interesting. I don't think it'll happen, but it could be spicy. I don't know how there's this much talk about it, considering Nebraska immediately after the season was canceled was like, yo, we're going to do something. And everyone's like, no, you're not. And they said, fine, no, we're not. And then now <laughs> there's this going on, which also the ADs are in on this. These are the same ADs that, we're talking to the school presidents and we're a big part of making the decision to have the season canceled. Like well, now, so there was one he... AD that said that he didn't know anything about this vote. So I don't think that they were all as involved as you think. They yeah. Were. I've seen a lot of stuff like uh, some controversy about it and I don't really want to get into it because I haven't read up enough about it, but like I just kind of headline scanned a couple of things and uh, the commissioner of the big 10 is kind of possibly going to need some hot water and, I'm going to be very interested to see what comes out to play with that. That rookie rookie Big Ten commissioner, he's being a little too bold over there. A little too bold. Shame. And then <laughs> uh, in the SEC, uh, what have any of the teams officially announced that they're going to have fans? I think they've left so it they, up. They, they came out with, like, protocols today about, like, what would have to happen. Um, and it's pretty much your common sense stuff, masks, plexiglass at, the, at Points of purchase, things like that. Uh, all digital tickets, kind of what you expect. But there's no no teams that are officially like, yes, we are having fans. No well, teams. There are no. teams have announced they're gonna. They, they the SEC is allowing these stadiums, with the exception that they everyone wear masks. They have said that you can make your limit of of stadium capacity. So I think te- Texas A and M said they were gonna do thirty thousand. I think Tennessee said like twenty five k. South Carolina hasn't said specifically, but I think they were they were looking at probably doing about twenty to twenty five k. That's what Tanner hinted at. Yeah, I'm still very much of the opinion that we should not have fans. I, I think it just makes the most sense right now. There's no reason to add fans unless it's something that I mean. There there is the monetary value of it, 
But at this point, I just don't feel like it makes sense. But, you know, if we're able to do it safely, sure, I, I think it could happen. What 20,000 fans do, I'm not super sure. Like that. Yeah, look, just look at the Missouri how game. They, how they do it, like, <laughs> I, I just, uh, it seems like a lot of headaches for the athletic department. But, you know, if, if they figure out a way to do it, I'm, I'm sure it could be cool. But we're looking at most most of these places are going to make their own decisions. I'm sure some will have none and some will have up to potentially even like 40, 50 percent. So could could do y'all think do y'all think there's going to be a, a team somewhere? Because, I mean, I feel like do you think that they are going to like there's going to be someone somewhere, just some like obscure school. And it's just going to like in an attempt, just make the money be like we're doing 100% capacity. Like, everyone is going to come in. I'm not saying it's going to be an LSU or an Alabama or someone that can fit 100,000 people in, but, like, there's no Akron, no. like, Akron, be like, we're letting everyone in. I don't think they even play. I think teams are going to push to get, like, 50 to 60, maybe 70% in, but 100 almost feels like it's too much. Even 50 at this point doesn't seem like it would satisfy the – general cdc guidelines in any way because if even if you take away half the seats in a stadium those seats aren't big especially when you're talking about like neyland stadium god neyland is awful you should only have a capacity of like seventy thousand at it as it is they put a hundred thousand in there with with tennessee saying they're gonna have twenty five thousand, I, I think that's the absolute max they could put in there and i still think that's pretty risky yeah I Have you been seeing all the videos of the students doing stupid shit, not wearing yeah. masks and everything? Dude, I, yeah. I already saw in Columbia. The season's five getting canceled. Also, do y'all think that uh, y'all? Th- I mean, it, it, barring what y'all just the points y'all just brought up, um, do y'all think that this like the percentages and the numbers that we are bringing in could be like a floating limit? Right now, it could be twenty thousand people was the max, but like say in November, things are looking a lot better, and you do a 60 percent. Do you think anything yeah. like that could come out? I, I would hope they would do that. I don't think they will. Again, I, I still think that at some point leading up to the season, the SEC calls off fans. That's that's what I feel will happen. But I think it could become a sliding scale. It's Obviously, it's going to be all, all up to the schools are going to make appeals to the SEC, be like, hey, I think based on these numbers in our area, we should get bumped up from 20 to 30. I think that's something that, should be possible, but we'll see what the SEC, if they bring down the hammer on any of these things as we get closer. So I guess we're going to move right into the NHL, which we're at week two. A lot of things happened. A lot of things are eerily the same. I'll go into that. We got the East number one Flyers versus number 12. Canadians are now at three and one Flyers taking the lead there. I think that game is going on right now. One to one. There's three shutouts this series, which is pretty great for a young Flyers goalie Carter Hart. He has two shutouts. Canadians have one. He needs one more consecutive shutout to have a, the postseason record, which he would currently tie with. I guess not because they let in a goal tonight. So sorry for that. I think the Flyers are now six and zero in playoffs where they score first. So I think they'll probably take this one pretty easily. Uh, we've got the number two Lightning versus the number nine Blue Jackets. Lightning won earlier today, five to four in overtime. So that. Is done. Lightning are moving on. Oh, the Lightning won a, won a playoff game? They did. They won four playoff games, actually. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, so I, I had high hopes for the Blue Jackets because I'm a big John Tortorella fan. He used to be a New York Rangers coach, but uh, 
Braden Point scores the overtime goal again, just like in their five-overtime win. So, again, things are just repeating all over the place. Number three, Caps. Number seven, Islanders. I don't know how I missed this last week. I just forgot to mention this game. I don't really care about either of these teams, so it didn't matter to me. The Islanders are up 3-1 to one in the series. Uh, Ovechkin scored twice in a must-win game yesterday to keep them afloat. The Capitals are now 2-5 and five in this postseason, going back to the round robins. So they're looking pretty rough, whereas the Islanders are 6-2, and two, but they won most of those games against the Florida Panthers, which is, eh, you know. Uh, so everything the, is making the them look Islanders. a lot... Everything is making them look a lot better than they actually are. Let's just say that. I, they're a good team. The, Island, the Islanders have the coach that won the Stanley Cup for the Capitals. Is that correct? I Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, that's, um, that's just great. I love that. And when they traded Chavares to the Maple Leafs, they got a lot back in, in some draft picks. So they've got a lot of young talent. And I think they have a rookie or a second-year guy that's really good. But his name forgets me right now. So um, I think they take this one. I think the Capitals are done. Uh, number four, Bruins. Number six, Hurricanes. The Bruins won four to one earlier today. Patrice Bergeron had a really great behind the back goal. Tuka Rask, their goalie for the Bruins, opted out of game three for some family issue. I don't think it was COVID related. It was really sad. I wanted to see the, the Hurricanes move on, but knowing that the Bruins are the President's Trophy winner this season, which is the uh, like best record for the regular season, I knew that was impossible. Wait, how are they the fourth seed? Uh, because I think it's based on the round robin. Dang, that's yeah, sucks. I know, right? So they, yeah, they. I think that's probably better for them to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I mean that could be true, maybe, but I mean, be the Presidents Cup winner, but be the fourth seed in the conference, like. Yeah, yeah right. Well, I, I think, I think I would, yeah. So that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, we got the West number one Golden Knights versus the number twelve Blackhawks. They won four to one. This they were the first to move on from. Uh, round one, uh, they will face the lowest remaining team in round two. So I'm not sure if that works based on the, that they were the first team to advance or that they're a number one team. I assume it's just because they're a number one team. So they have a pretty easy move to probably the final, at least the semifinal. Uh, Vegas is now the third franchise to win at least one playoff series in two of the first three seasons. Uh, so I'm hoping that the new Seattle Krakens team, who we haven't talked a lot about, but We've all been interested in this new team. Uh, hope they have the same success as the Golden Knights do. Uh, number two, Avalanche. Number 11, Coyotes. Avalanche won 7-1 to one earlier today, so they, they won the series 4-1. to one. Avalanche dominated the Coyotes in every way. Uh, last two games, they won 7-1 to one in very, very similar numbers. Just bad defense and on, on the Coyotes' part. Kemper gave up six goals and 30 shots which is pretty bad which he was then replaced by anti ronto who's an ex-ranger so yeah tough to see because i really like the coyotes alternate sweaters and i wanted to see them continue just because i love seeing those sweaters but avalanche has a pretty sweet uniform too then we're finishing up here with the number three stars number eight flames it's three to two stars i said it was going to be a competitive series because the stars are very defensive flames very offensive but so it's, it's looking good. Flames are looking for their first playoff win since 04. Michael Buckland scored the fourth goal for the playoffs uh, for Calgary. So he's he's been really hot, but it's it wasn't enough to outshoot uh, Jamie Benn, Tyler Seguin, and Klingberg of the Stars. So that's going to be a fun one to see finish out. And then finally, we've got the number four Blues versus the number seven Canucks. The series is tied 2-2. Two to two. Ryan O'Reilly had two goals and one assist in the Blues win. 
Uh, he was, I think, the MVP of last season's Stanley Cup, so it's not surprising. Injuries on both sides of the teams. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one. This game and the Stars-Flames game is going to be really exciting to look as we move forward, hopefully into week three. Yep. Uh, no, I, I, I really hope the Canucks can sneak this one out, to be honest with you. What the hell is the Canuck? It's a... I think it's a Canadian shark. I don't know. Well, we're in might be. Also, might be like a tribal thing. Either way, St. Louis. That is your hockey update for week two. So I guess I'll go into the NBA, and then Marino can finish us out in the MLB. The NBA, obviously, we had our update last week was that the bubble is coming down to the final game. I said here that anything could happen, and. After we saw the first two teams that were right there vying for that eighth seed, they won, and the Blazers, all they had to do is beat the C-team Nets to make the playoffs, or at least the play-in game, and they made it quite a game. We saw the Nets get the last shot off a potential buzzer beater to send the Blazers home, but it clanked out, and the Blazers then took the eight seed against the nine seed Grizzlies, handled the Grizzlies in the play-in game. Oh, man, right in the good part. And the Blazers, after having less than 10% of a chance of making the playoffs, made it in the eight seed. And what we've seen from the first day, at this point, game ones have happened everywhere and a couple game twos. What we're seeing is a lot of really tightly contested games and a lot of upsets. So both the one seeds, the Lakers and the Bucks, losing in their first game one matchups. And while I think the Bucks are so much more talented than the Magic, and it'll probably still end up being 4-1, I do think the Lakers might be in trouble. I just, I don't... Coming from the Blazers fan? I might have my, my goggles yeah. on, but... The Blazers are a hot team, so that's regardless of the fact that the Blazers are a lot better than your traditional eight seed, I think you're seeing a Lakers team that really struggled in their placement games and just don't look like they're ramped up to play. The Blazers didn't play particularly well last night. They had been scoring 120, 130 points a game and only scored 100, but the Blazers haven't stopped anybody in weeks. They've been giving up 125 points a game in the bubble. And they held the Lakers to 93 points. LeBron and Anthony Davis were, were decent, but they still didn't shoot very well. And nobody else on that team was shooting well. And so I think that is something to look at. I, they may still very well come out of this series, but they do not look, in my opinion, like what some people have called them as the uh, NBA playoff favorite right now. I, I, I think it's pretty up in the air. I think this bubble atmosphere has even the playing field a little bit. I think they flew a little too close to the sun. Like, they're just too big now to, to succeed. The way I see it is this. The, the Lakers haven't played a meaningful game in quite a while now. Uh, these guys pretty much knew that they just had to, you know, play a little bit of their game. They're going to be the number one seed, and they're just going to get, you know, whatever team makes it through all the mess that's in the, the bubble route to the playoffs. And so the Blazers have been sitting here and they've been playing an elimination game after elimination game after elimination game. And so they're just hot. Like they're in, they've been in that like do or die mode for like a week and a half now. And so I just think that's what helped them in game one. I think that you awoke the beast and I think the Lakers are going to take care of business the rest of the way. 
Uh, same thing with the uh, with the other side with the uh, with the Bucks and the Magic, and it's just. I mean, I think both those teams are immensely more talented than their opponent. Of course, you know, you play the game for a reason. Anything can happen. Um, but it's a long series. Best of seven. There's still uh, three to six games to go. And, I mean, I still think that the better teams are going to come, uh, come out on top here in both of these. Well, I hope you're wrong. I mean, I, I'm sure you do. But I, I just had to we, – we had to get away from some of that. We've had too much sunshine pumping in the uh, in the Carolina schedule breakdown. But as for around the, the rest of the NBA playoffs, we've we had Houston pretty handily beat OKC. Dallas, I think Dallas is also another team that you could see potentially upset the Clippers. I think they would have the other night if Chris Stapp's Porzingis didn't get uh, ejected over like the, unicorn. The, light, the lightest of shoves he got ejected for, which is just unbelievable. But right now they're beating the Clippers 15 to two in the early game, and they they look like they they could, had a real chance to win last game. Again, not sure if they they win that one because I, I think the Clippers are the favorite to win the championship right now. That being said, the Mavericks are a decent team, and and we've seen it at times this year that their young talent can take them a long way. And so I think this is going to be a tightly contested series. Elsewhere, the Raptors look like they. They, now with a 2-0 lead over the Nets, the Nets don't have a whole lot. I, I think that series is is all but over. And the Nets made the playoffs? I mean, the Nets were like solidly in the playoffs going into the bubble. They just like have all of their stars out. Like the their top five players are all out. So the Eastern Conference, yeah. I guess the Eastern it's Conference so is also long. pretty weak once you get past the first few teams. Uh Speaking of the Eastern Conference, yeah, the 76ers uh, are beaten up and they've taken two bad losses. Not not very close games to the Celtics. So we've I, I see the Celtics as a pretty good team that I could potentially see making it out of the East. They've got a 2-0 lead. And Brad Stevens is such a good coach in my that, opinion. That as well. I, I think they've got a huge coaching advantage. And the Heat uh, look like they're going to outlast the Pacers. And I think that that pretty much hits all the games. Uh, I guess the three and six, the Jazz have looked pretty solid. I, I, Donovan Mitchell has played out of his mind. Um, the Jazz won handily today. They lost a close one to the Nuggets in the game one. So that one's split one to one right now. And I, I see that going the distance, going seven games. But very, very entertaining NBA action so far. Really only one, one series right now, maybe two series right now look like they're huge differences in talent and look like they're going to be potential sweeps or four ones. So I I've enjoyed watching That's the playoffs. That's what we're here for. So uh, I guess I'll send it back over to Marino to wrap us up with uh, MLB. I, and I guess Tyler's got some golf stuff. Don't sound too excited. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into the main story for this week in the MLB, we had one moment from a Mets game against the nationals. It was a Thursday game at nationals where the normal play everything was going on Mets pitching but someone was was heard saying effing bullshit to I guess one of the calls that the ump had and so he he points over towards the Washington side and, and ejects someone no one no one in the nationals no one on air knew who he was talking about and he kept pointing high so they thought everyone just thought he was pointing to someone in the dugout not the manager and then all of a sudden they show this aerial shot of none other than Steven Strasburg, like all the way up in section 121 in the stadium, 
walking out with his mask hanging off his face, like just wearing like normal kind of relaxed gear because he wasn't playing at all that day. He was just watching. And you just see him like put his hands up. He's like, all right, I'm out of here. It just like walks out of the stadium. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like a normal fan interaction. There were some other guys up there in the pitching bullpen. So he was probably just joking around, just yelling some dumb stuff and and got called out. I thought that was a pretty funny moment. Um, Another, I guess, funny moment, definitely an odd moment, was the whole controversy with Fernando Tatis Jr. uh, of the... Padres versus the Rangers uh, on Monday. This is the top of the eight. It was a 10 to three at the time. Juan Nicasio throws a 92 mile an hour pitch in a 3 0 count to Fernando Tatis Jr., which he hit a grand slam, making the score 14 to three, which I didn't really think it was an issue. I thought it was pretty normal for the time. And then all of a sudden, the next pitch was Ian Jabot comes in and he throws a fastball behind Manny Machado. So then it became this whole issue. Managers were getting involved. The Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, said it's something along the lines of it's simply not a good time to, to swing at a 3-0. and uh, Kind of the way we were raised on the game. Um, the norms are being changed daily, but just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not, you know, not right to do. Um, so I didn't really know where he was coming from with that. But he mentioned that, uh, you know, I don't like it, and I don't think it's liked as a group. And I thought he was talking about his team, but then I realized the Padres manager also had a thing to say about it. He said he'll learn from this opportunity and grow from it regarding Fernando's Tatis Jr. Because uh, apparently he told him not to swing at it. Uh, Tatis didn't see it and swung at it anyway. Um, he had to apologize post-game for swinging on it, which is nuts. I, I can't imagine apologizing for hitting a grand slam on a team. Um, either way, the MLB did punish. Soft. Yeah, it's soft as hell, man. They they punished the Rangers by giving Chris Woodward their manager a one game suspension and Ian Jabot a three game suspension for not even hitting a guy, barely doing anything. I, I, the suspension we're seeing from the MLB is crazy right now. Um, but the big thing that I thought was funny is you know they hit this grand slam at the end of the game and, and the, the Astros eight. don't get suspended for actually cheating. Yeah, dude, I don't I don't get what the MLB is doing. They're all over the place in terms of their kind of rulings. Um, but then the next game on Tuesday, uh, Rangers Padres again, Mike Miner was starting for the Rangers and he gave a, up a grand slam as well, which he gave it up. to. Oh, I didn't see yeah, he gave up. He gave it up to Will Myers. But Fernando Tatis Jr. was on third base. So it's like. I get it. Like you got a grand slam when pretty much when it didn't matter, but you still like, you still suck. Like, it's not like it was just a freak moment. The thing for me is like a lot of people are, are some of the old heads are like mad at Fernando Tatis Jr. for doing it. And I, I just don't, I don't see it like for, for a sport that's aging rapidly and it's losing popularity to see a lot of young guys like him, Pete Alonzo, Soto, um, even Vlad Guerrero, like seeing these guys hit is awesome because there's some young life being put in and then like kind of, you know, punishing them for that is so stupid. Like I get it, but it doesn't make any sense. You're, you're punishing a guy for like bettering his stats. I mean, I told, yeah. Career grand slam. I mean, what, what is he supposed to do? Just, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, sure. Like he, he like he takes a pitch and then like the next one comes in. It's a, it's a ball. He goes and moves over on a four-one count, and like I mean, his on-base percentage goes up, but he's not helping anything else. Like he took the pitch, and he yeah, now how he has another career home run, a career grand slam. Is you know he's got 
four more RBIs on the season. I mean, he's a rookie guy. Like, yeah. I mean, if, I, I mean, I don't follow, I, I don't follow baseball out West as much as, you know, anywhere else. So, I mean, I don't know how this kid is doing elsewhere in his career. I mean, those four RBIs could be the make or break of staying. Like, there. like talking about padding of stats, totally reasonable. Cause right now, Fernando Tatis Jr. is leading the MLB in RBIs at 28. He's leading the MLB in home runs at 11. He's tied for second in hits at 31, and he's tied for first in stolen bases. So literally, like, every major stat you can have for hitting, he's destroying. But there's plenty of guys right on his tail. And there's legacy defining things. I mean, yeah. like, he, he's a rookie, okay? So he's going for rookie of the year. And so, I mean, what is he supposed to do? He might go for MVP. Sit on it and just wait what happens? Yeah. I mean, there's always the possibility of that. But, I mean, like, I saw a really good point the other day, and it's like, okay. So, you, I mean, the ball that he hit, that was it was a strike. So he takes that. He just sits on it, and it's 3-1. And then, you know, then the pitcher, you know, gets a little bit going on. He comes in with a setup pitch. It's 3-2. And now he's sitting there in a in a account where he's got bases loaded and a full count, and they're going to go for a double play ball. He gets into that, and boom, he gets into a double play. He gets out of the inning without giving up any more runs. And I mean, and now that everyone's going to be hailing the pitcher, like, "Oh, good job, you got out of that mess." But like, no, like that's ridiculous. Like, why should I mean? I, and I understand like there's written rules, and baseball is such a beautiful game, and the fact that they have like so many unwritten rules, you know, like you're not supposed to walk across a pitcher's mound. And, you know, we had that a couple of years ago when the guy on the A's, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but, you know, he yelled at A-Rod because A-Rod ran across the mound and everyone's like, who do you think you are for like yelling at A-Rod? And then he threw like a perfect game like two weeks later. Yeah. But like, that's an unwritten rule. And like, you know, you don't step on the chalk and that's an unwritten rule. You know, if like you spike, a, like the whole thing, like Manny Machado and, uh, and, um, and for joy and the Red Sox a couple of years ago, where like everyone thought like, Machado tried to spike um, spike him, um, slide slide in second base, and then like the Red Sox threw at him, and then you know you don't pimp a home run and you don't bat flip like uh, like Bautista did against the Rangers, <laughs> crazy yeah. there and, and here again. I mean, it, I mean, he didn't pimp it. He didn't bat flip anything. I can understand that. I mean, yeah. he hit a home run. Yeah, like if you pimped it, then like sure, yeah. like and I and I kind of disagree with that unwritten rule too. Like I mean, if you hit a grand slam, like pimp that shit like well i mean if you're 14 and three um, like that's i I, yeah i I probably wouldn't but it's like for me like hey if you don't want him to hit a grand slam throw a better damn pitch like 92 mile an hour uh, down down for me like it's an untimed sport like anything can happen like i think the only the only issue that that is can really be seen here is that the kid must not have known his his signals well enough and the, the manager deserves to like Give him shit for that. Yeah, that's that's just rookie. The other, team, the other team needs to shut their damn mouth. That it's just. Yeah. So I mean, that's the. I, I don't have any further analysis other than just get the hell over it and don't yeah. throw a ball that get hit out of the park next time. Like it, <laughs> that's that should be everyone's yeah. opinion. And the fact that there's people defending but, it is yeah, it, just. It, it, I, the fact that he had to apologize in general, not just like, oh, like the media came up to him and asked him about it in the locker room. He had to give a formal apology in front, you know, in front of the. I would have done the uh, what? Out on the Conor McGregor, the I apologize to absolutely no one. Or the Marshawn Lynch and just I'm here so I don't get fined. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry you threw me a pitch that I destroyed. No, I, I was sorry that you loaded the base. I'm sorry that your team gave up ten runs. I'm sorry that you loaded the bases. I'm sorry that you put me in a 3-0 count. And I'm sorry I swung at the only yeah. good pitch you gave. 
and Senate freaking yard. They should be more mad that they were down by that many runs at that point. Like, exactly. (laughs) I mean, and the thing is, they're like, okay, they're up seven runs. You can't do that. Okay. Like the very next night, the A scored nine runs in an inning. So you're going to sit there and tell me that in yeah. an untimed sport? I mean, it's like, it's not like – I mean, like in football, like you can say, oh, you're running up the score. Like if you just right. sit there and you're like intentionally trying to like score a touchdown and there's two seconds left in a game that's already up by like four scores. Like no, like that's like mathematically impossible to come back on. But And the thing is with the MLB, like running up the score, it's like where does that line get drawn where it's running up the score or just hitting runs that so that way you ensure your win? You know, there's no way to know what that line is. And I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, okay. The Rangers beat the Orioles one time 30 to 3, okay? So you're going to sit there and tell me? (laughs) You're going to sit there and get pissed off? How they forget. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? This is in 2007. I mean, yeah. uh, short memories, guys. I mean, I guess those two World Series appearances that you blew and you lost. Yeah. Really just made you forget about that one. 30 to 3. 30 to 3. You, you know how many pitches they probably shouldn't have swung at in a 30 to 3 game <laughs> like out of sportsmanship? Get all the way out of here. <laughs> just ridiculous. Well, the only thing that's confirmed here is that the Padres are now looking pretty good. At that game, they finally be- went over 500. I think they're now 14 and two. Uh, they might be looking for like a pretty good sleeper pick coming in. I didn't expect the Padres to play this well this year. Wait, for, their their record is 14 and two. Sorry, 14 and 12. I was about to say, I was like, how My are bad. they finally? <laughs> they been yeah, over they, 500. They actually they <laughs> they miss a lot of games with COVID apparently. Um, yeah. Um, so I think that's every story for bit. Wait, wait, I'm getting, I'm getting some hot news right now coming directly oh, from a game. <laughs> Apparently, uh, longtime Cincinnati Reds announcer, Tom Brennan. Uh, it was the pre pregame for the Cincinnati Reds versus the Kansas City oh, Royals. And he said some sort of, um, I guess, insensitive slur towards, um, the LGBTQ community uh, saying something along the lines of one of the blank capitals of the world regarding Kansas City. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't know he was on a hot mic <laughs> and they were just showing the field. And then I guess he caught himself and then started talking about uh, whatever. But yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> not going to lie. Not, not a great moment. Uh, not a great Believable. Mm. Yeah, I saw that. Can I saw that come across while we were doesn't surprise and, uh, me recording this, and I didn't know if we were going to get into that or not. Um, yeah, but I know. I saw that come crap. up. Yeah, I mean that's good. how you end your career super fast. Yeah, so. right now in 2020, not a great look. Great look. Yeah. It, it, oh my goodness! I, I don't know if that even happened. Is that worse than the NASCAR guy with dropping? No, in? no. Uh, I mean, I think that the N word is always like inexplicably worse than like any other slur but it's like but gonna be bad this enough one is this one's they fired, bad like too. fired and uh, uh, yeah, he's an older guy a very good chance. No. Nah, i think it's a very good chance that he loses his job over that one or at he, least we, i mean at the, at the very i think at the very worst like we don't see him for a while on he a might podcast. he might do one of those i've chosen to retire moments <laughs> yeah because he is a long time announcer I've chosen to retire and move to Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, where he could be around all the people he apparently loves so much. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly, that wasn't our flop of the week because it came out so late. Uh, Tyler, do you know what our flop of the week is otherwise? 
Yeah, um, I'm really excited to get to talk about golf again this week. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> well, at the uh, at the end of last week's episode, I kind of joked about how the US Amateur was this past week. Um, and then but that's just because y'all actually let me talk about golf last week because it was coming off of a major. Um, I really didn't think I'd get a chance to talk about it anymore. But surprise, surprise, here we are with our flop of the week. Uh, Matt has handed me the torch um, to talk about this one just because I'd have a bit more of an idea and understanding. Um, but for those of you who don't know, uh, the US Amateur is the biggest amateur event in golf. Uh, it is um, it, it one time was considered one of the four majors, but the whole landscape has changed since then where uh, being an amateur in the sport isn't as you know highly touted as it used to be. Uh, but regardless, it's still a massive event. Um, it was played out this past week uh, at Bandon Dunes in Bandon, Oregon. Uh, which is considered one of the best golf resorts in America. It is been, I mean, it's fairly new considered compared to like some of the other big places, um, but great reputation. Um, one of the things that they are really known for um, and that you've heard is that their caddies there are absolutely phenomenal. With that being said, this past week, a lot of the guys playing in the event chose to take a local caddy just because those caddies knew the course. And, and once again, harping on the fact that they have phenomenal caddies. So the way that it works, the, the tournament breakdown is that they have a stroke play event where they play 36 holes, just like a regular golf tournament. The, like the top 64 guys uh, make it onto a match play round of a knockout single elimination round. And match play is a pretty interesting way to do everything where they can, um, you know, it's, it's a, a different style of golf that's a bit more competitive, a bit more head-to-head, and it's really fun. They came down in the round of 16 and a match between Segundo Pinto and eventual champion Tyler Strapasi. What a name. Uh, where Pinto. Pinto, yes. Segundo Pinto. Uh, so Segundo Pinto had stormed back on Strapasi, uh, brought it to the final hole, 18th, um, which is really great, par five. He w- found himself in a greenside bunker, taking his third shot. He was sitting there trying to figure out what to do, and out of nowhere, his caddy just plops down into the bunker and starts, like, touching the sand. And he's, like, going around in there, doing whatever he's trying to do. Like, it's just really weird. And then Sir Fossey's dad, he's like, he was, like, really intense the entire time. Like, he just started going, like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And called on the rules officials and everything like that. And, you know, it's a big deal. Like, you can't touch the sand, like, if you're the player. Um, like, you can't drink around your club. You can't, like, test the conditions and things like that. But that rule also extends to your caddy. And so because of that, this poor guy, Segundo Pinto, had to he basically automatic loss of the hole which since it was on the 18th in a tied match meant an automatic loss of the match and that's how he loses this match in the biggest event that he's ever played in i mean this <laughs> you gotta think terrible. it's the round of 16 it's the round of 16 if you make the finals if you make the finals you get an automatic exemption to the next year's u.s open and masters tournament this dude was Oof. three wins away from an invitation into the two biggest events in the sport his and, caddy and ruined his it for caddy, him. His caddy, who he doesn't even know. This dude's a complete stranger. He just picked him up because, like, he wanted a good caddy. Ruins it for him. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's I, the worst that, part. I thought when you were telling us, like, a little bit about it, I figured that he, like, knew the guy. Maybe one thing, it was, like, his dad, like, like Shafasi has his dad on his bag. And and so, like, it's like, dad, like, come on. Like, and then you, you, you get to make up over it and all that kind of stuff over years and years. But, like, this dude just trusted this guy to the blue. and. It ruined his game. This is why uh, you don't trust people. You don't trust anybody. 
So what he really uh, needed so, was that happy Gilmore caddy. Yeah, true. Um, but it's really interesting, especially considering that it, like it takes in like it involved the eventual champion who took out SMU's Ali Osborne in a phenomenal match. I won't get in on that one, you guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, sounds sounds like a rising moment. No, it, he was like five holes oh, down God, and storm back. It was a whole bunch of stuff. It was it was pretty great if you uh, if you understand how the how the game is scored and all that kind of stuff. But for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was a great submission for flop of the week because you really can't do much more than worse than that um, when you absolutely ruin some kid's chance at uh, at golf greatness. Uh, because I mean, these guys, you know, even though it's not a professional event, these guys are are known forever. I mean, guys like Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas, they've all won this event um, before they turn pro. So it's not just some you know run of the mill event. Um, and this guy made it pretty far, final sixteen, and just ruin for him uh, i believe that that is that is where we are are running out of topics for this week uh like i said it was it was pretty pretty eventful week and we've got a lot more to go on, go on as once again uh we got more nhl playoffs more nba playoffs lord knows what we've got coming up in the next week in college football news lord knows we've got coming up in what unbroken rule of baseball is going to be broken next week you know what controversy <laughs> we'll have there um, and then, you know, we'll um, also continue our SEC schedule breakdown um, with some more stuff on marquee matchups and what we've got coming to you in the first three or four weeks. So we'll be excited to see you all then, and y'all have a good one. We're getting football, baby. Woo! <laughs>